Can I just start by saying uh, I'm continuing our series on well-being. And I know no better uh, way of de dealing with or helping your well-being than spending time in the presence of God like we've done today. Just spending time, just seeking his face. If nothing else, calling out to him in the toilet when you're just about to go into a meeting, when, you've, when you feel like things are going south, or you know, when things aren't going your way. Being able to call out to him, God, will you help me today? And just to, Lord, will you just fill me afresh? Being able to do that at any time. You know, before I dive into this topic, um, I just want to acknowledge that we're, we're, um, we're complicated beings, aren't we? You know, I don't know about you, but I'm a father, I'm a brother, uh, I'm a son, um, I'm a husband, let not forget that one. Um, oh, that'd get me into trouble. There's Margie, she's not. Sorry, love. Um, you know, I'm a church leader, yet I spent 23 years working in the financial services. Um, so the man you see before you is all of these things. I have hopes and dreams, quite a few of which I've not managed to do, some of which I've had to sacrifice for my kids. They're still on the back burner, but not been able to resurrect them yet. I have giftings and abilities. We have strengths and we have weaknesses, don't we? Our lives are complex. And in coupled with that, there are many demands on our time. Some we like, some we don't like. Some we'd rather uh, kicking and screaming along with us. You know, we'd just be able to jettison if we could, but we can't. And that's all part of life. So finding our place, finding our calling, finding our vocation is a difficult thing. And not only that, just to make things worse, Jesus said in John 16 verse uh, 33 that we will have trouble in this world. He said, in this world you will have trouble. Gosh, thanks a bunch. Please, please help but it's a good thing that Jesus qualified that phrase but saying, take heart, take heart, for I have overcome the world. So in amongst all the difficulties, all the trials we face, all the things that we face, it's life with its highs and lows. Uh, God knows. God knows what we go through. Every single day, he knows what we face. Every single day we can turn to him and we can ask him for his help, for his healing, for his touch. You know, when we look at Jesus, in him saying, I have overcome the world, just for a moment, just think what he went through. The eldest child, his father, who would have been quite an older man, so the theologians think that Jesus, uh, Joseph, well, not his father, but okay, we won't go into that one. Oh, dig myself into a hole. But Joseph died 
whilst Jesus was a relatively young age. So he knew what it was to lose somebody close to him. The eldest son, we, in, uh, where is it? In Mark 6, verse 3, it tells that Jesus was a carpenter. Well, we don't hear much about that, do we? I mean, that's just one phrase. But he'd have known what it was to help provide for his younger family. So he'd have faced a harder, you know, a difficult time. He wouldn't have had a bed of roses. You know, when I, a few years ago, I took one of my cars to a mechanic. And um, he, he was servicing the car. He did a great job apart from one thing. He didn't tighten the wheel nuts on one of my wheels. Yeah? Yeah, you know what's coming, don't you? I got into the car, and I was driving down. It took me a while to realize what was wrong, but I just, I didn't know what it was immediately, but it, it, it just wasn't right. Something was wrong. And uh, I could feel the bumpy in the car, I'm thinking, He's done a great job in the service. And it took me 100 yards or probably about half a mile before I got out, looked around the car and realized that this wheel was almost coming off and, and managed to tighten up the wheel nuts before it came off. But sometimes life is like that, isn't it? Some, you, just, you can't necessarily put your finger on it, but something, it just feels clunky. It just doesn't feel quite right. But God knows what we go through. So can I take... A bit of, uh, a if I can get my, that's what we're doing. Can I ask you to take a bit of time? We've had our series looking at all these different aspects of well-being, and really we've only just touched the surface. We've looked at being stewards, relational beings, physical beings, emotional beings, and now we're looking at vocational beings. But... Can I ask you to take some time just to take these things back to God, to sit down, prayerfully think about what is working and what isn't. If you need to tighten up a few bolts on your car or, you know, get it working again, take some time out. Consider what's, ner- what working, what's not working so well. Give it to God and ask him, help. Commit it to God in faith and then do something. Take some action in faith. Don't let these things just roll on. You have to do something. And you know what? I don't know whether you're like me, but sometimes I just don't want to change. I find it difficult changing sometimes. And sometimes God has to show me a reason why, and then suddenly it dawns on me, and I'll make a change. Um, a private example, um, I got told by my doctor this, this last week, my cholesterol's a bit high. Who has high cholesterol? You know, pray for you. And, um, you know, so I'm going to have to cut out some cake. Oh. I don't want to do that. I really don't want to do that. I don't want to cut out all the nice, all the nice, lovely, fatty foods. Oh, I just love them. But it's going to have to be done. 
Oh, so frustrating. Getting old. Who wants it? So, vocational being. So, change is hard, but it's got to be done. So, today we're looking at, is my vocation. Now, what does vocation mean? It comes from the Latin word meaning a vocatio, a call or summons. Now, a calling, I could kind of get my head around. A summons, I found a little bit harder until actually I remembered that I've had a summons. I've had a summons from the court in Winchester to serve on a jury, and some of you might have done that too. And when I got that letter, let me actually, let me take my watch off so I don't over, go over. When I got that letter, part of me was excited. Ah, oh, I was going to do my bit for society. I wanted to see how courts worked. I'd met a few judges in the in, when I worked in financial services. I'll tell you, they were scary people. They really are scary people. And I didn't want to be in front of any of them, I'll tell you. And, uh, but I thought, oh, I'm going to do my bit for society. But part of me was absolutely terrified. Because suddenly you, you're thrown into a new situation, a new environment. You have to think, you know, I, I don't know whether I can do this. What happens if I make a mistake? Somebody's life could, their freedom could be in my hands. And the thought that I make, make a mistake was something that, I, gosh, I, I, I'm going to take this seriously. And it's like that sometimes when we get a new job, isn't it? You get excited that you've landed that job. You, you can earn some money. But then comes the graph that you've actually got to do, that you've actually got to say what you've said you're going to do. And it's hard work. It's not easy. You know, when I did the jury service, I had to be totally focused. There was no looking in the newspapers. I couldn't discuss the case that I was on with anybody else. I couldn't go online and look at research. You're not allowed to do that. You know, I had to be, for that two-week period, I had to be totally focused. And, uh, and it's like that with our vacation. So, you know, our vocation. So when I looked at that, that word, a calling, what is it? It's we're being drawn to something. I mean, not many of us have heard the writing in the sky that says like, you know, I want you to do this in your life. I mean, wouldn't that be great? If God just showed you down, hey, do this. You'd, you'd, it'd be easier. But for me, when I left university, you know, I, I prayed to God, God, lead me in what you want me to do. And, um, oh, didn't get anywhere. Nothing. Didn't hear anything from God. And it was like God was saying to me, well, it's up to you. It's up to you what you do with your life. I'll be with you anyway. So what do you want to do? And, uh, and I'm, I'm almost sad to say this, but I turned to an insurance company. I mean, all of you out there are probably thinking, what were you thinking? Why? 
what made you do that? And to be honest, I can't tell you, I can't say why I chose that as a career, as a vocation. But I just felt God draw me to it. And I'm sure many of you might have a similar experience. You might not have felt, um, you know, the writing in the sky, but you just felt a drawing, a calling, as it were, into uh, into an occupation or a vocation. Now, in the 16th century, um, if somebody had said you had a calling, it would have been into church ministry, okay? But now we wouldn't say that. We'd say that... Um, that um, your a vocation is any kind of occupation that people feel led into, that they feel trained and predisposed to. And, you know, it's, um, it begins for me in the heart of God. It starts in the heart of God. You might think, oh, God gives us heart desires, and yes, he gives us desires to do things. We have giftings and abilities. But it starts in the heart of God for me. God knows the giftings that he's given each one of us. And actually, as we've heard today, uh, our life continues in the heart of God. There isn't a day goes by that, that he doesn't see you and see where you are, what you're doing, and is there to help. What I didn't know was that God had a bigger picture for me, is that ever since I got, became a Christian, I've been involved in church leadership ever since I was 16. And so as I worked in the financial services, um, I got, my, got to know my clients better. And in fact, I got to know some of my clients better than their families did as I helped them work through their dreams and their plans for their life, I realized that that job became a very pastoral job. Funny that. So that's where I learned how to do the job that I do now. 23 years of working things through with individuals and helping them, and helping them to achieve what God or what they wanted to do. But in all the things that we have, uh, might decide to go in, I'm not sure that, you know, whether or not you, you, whatever job, it's not necessarily a job. Well, let me qualify that. For me, a calling is anything that God calls you to do. It's not just about a high-powered job. It's about anything that God calls you to do. Whether or not you're retired and God asks you to do something and brings you into something new, or whether or not you're in the middle of your career, or whether or not you're right at the start and finding your pathway. You know, we have an upside-down kingdom. God values everybody the same, and he calls us all. He expects us to use the gifts he has given us. So if we look into the Bible, that's a good place, isn't it? 
we see Adam and Eve placed in a garden. They're given a job. They have to look after the garden. They're gardeners. They're farmers. But their calling was to be fruitful. Their calling was to be stewards of all that God had given them. And is it an amazing, I always think this is amazing, that God gave the whole world to Adam and Eve and they had no experience and no qualifications. And it's almost like God placed the world into their hands knowing that they could do it and knowing that he would never leave them, even though we see in Genesis 3 they, they you know, they made a bit of a muff of it, didn't they? But God never left them. God knows what we need. In Matthew 6, verse 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and everything you need will be given to you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Sorry, let me add that bit. And his righteousness. You know, I looked in the Bible to, uh, to see places of where men and women were called. And I think I came up with a list of about 30. I'm not going to go through them all. But, um, in fact, I'm not going to, you know, from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, Moses, Joseph, Joshua, Rahab, Gideon, Samson, Ruth. And you look in the lives of all of these great men and women in the Bible who are called by God, and you see them struggling to work out their calling in their life. And some of the gaffes they make are outstanding. I mean, they're just amazing. You think, how on, why did you do that? And, and then you have to stand back and think, God, you loved each one. You called each one. And they're just trying to do the best that they can in the situation of where they are. Our calling, our vocation is sustained by God. Do you know, when I looked at all those situations, I also looked at the fact that God is named as our helper over, I think it's over 22 times. Let me get my glasses. Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 54. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Hebrews 13, verse 6. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Psalm 37. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Isaiah 40, verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Just see what he will do. 
our God is our helper. Isn't that amazing? The God who created the heavens and the earth wants to help us. Every day. So, in all we do to know him and make him known, in all the different occupations we have, our calling is to know him and to represent him. Represent him in every sphere that we find ourselves in. And sometimes we do a good job, sometimes we don't do such a good job, but he's with us and loves us. So, how do we survive? And at which point, I'd like to ask my uh, friend and helper, who I asked would give us a testimony. Uh, so thank you. Um, the, I mean, it's interesting what um, what Robin was saying about Adam and Eve. Uh, the idea that I'm going to talk about work on my own without you know, mentioning Sarah is ludicrous. Uh, the the whole thing that that's, um, Sarah and I run our house almost like a, a company, and that we are managing directors and co-partners, and that I happen to go out and earn money, and Sarah goes out and does her job. So I'll talk about my job a little bit I've been um, it's been an unusual time for me I've changed jobs twice in the last 18 months and I've moved from sort of security and defense and then I went out into media and then I've come back into security and defense again which all fits together but not necessarily how you might might have thought and it certainly wasn't what I planned I find work um, that it can be a struggle for me I can find it difficult to make everything fit it feels like there's a finite amount of time and an infinite amount of things to do. Um, and that involves things like I can travel for work, I can um, have texts at four or five o'clock in the morning in one of my jobs, uh, weekend working, and it's hard. It's hard to look at um, what those boundaries look like, you know, how do you keep things separate, how do you keep things healthy. Um, and I don't want work to take over. I don't want work to be the most important things in, thing in my life. And I was really struggling um, last Christmas. And God spoke to me about the burning bush and about the idea of being on fire and being passionate about work, but not being consumed by it. And actually having a passion that it's good, right? It's good to have a passion and it's good to be able to invest in what I'm doing in the day, but it doesn't have to consume me. And it's not who I am. It's not my identity. And over the last sort of, um, I guess the last sort of few months where I've been more involved with steps, I've found that to be part of my vocation as well. I feel that's part of my calling on God's life, that my vocation isn't just simply my job, it's also about being a dad and being a, being a, a brother and, and, and trying to see people released in church as well is part of, the, of God's call on my life. I'm four months into a new job. I've passed my probation period now, so uh, if anyone's watching from work, you know, hi, everyone. Um, it's not perfect in my new job. 
so I've had the honeymoon period, and I'm now into um, noticing the things that are wrong and struggling with knowing how much I push to change things and be a force for good, but also not running the place down because actually nothing's nowhere's perfect. And, and I'm, that's where I am like, like this week right now is trying to work out how do I help and move things in a positive way and yet not negatively impact um, the, the world around me and the environment that I'm in. I can't control everything and I can't you know, just force my will through, um, but I am working on my need to control in steps. Thank you very much. So, um, you know, our culture is changing. We're living in interesting times at the moment. Um, we've seen massive changes in the UK. Uh, gone are the days when you had a job for life. Um, my kids seem to think that moving from job to job is fine. Kind of thing. That's new for me. Um, you know, with the increase in communications, I mean, I experienced that. I once got called on holiday by a billionaire uh, who was pretty cross with me because one of my clients had sent him a letter. And he didn't want to know all the full circumstances of everything. He just wanted me to jump. And I'm sat on the beach on holiday trying to negotiate my way back into the job, thinking I wasn't sure I was going to have a job when I got back. Uh, fortunately, my manager was more sympathetic. And, uh, and he realized that this particular individual never looked at the facts. He just jumped when he saw something in front of him. But that's the world of work that, that we work in. Uh, the communications, the emails. Whenever I went on holiday, I always had to check my emails because I was dealing with client money. If something went wrong, it went wrong big time. And then somebody had to compensate a client. And I would add that 99.99% of the time, it wasn't my, my, wasn't my fault. Just get that out there. Um, um, but, um, you know, that's the pressures that we live in. With this current environment, now we've seen a massive increase in working at home. Well, I worked at home for 10 years and loved it, but I had my family surrounding me. Um, if you're on your own working from home, then isolation is a big thing. So, you know, I, you might feel like this. No, not like that. Oh, like that. Work and vocation for you might feel like a bit of a hard slog where you're pulling things in, you know, it just feels like you're just trying to make headway. And, but can I encourage you that if you're in that position that God knows and God will help you. I love this picture of a dashboard, and a lot of people use this when they're talking about well-being. Because if you've got a car, this is a bit of an old-style car, because it's got volts and combustion efficiency. I don't think most cars have those sort of things, do they? But my car has got lots of um, warning lights on it. It tells me when one of the, the tires is flat. It gives, you know, you've got lights come up all over the place. And in, in, um, in our lives, we have to make sure everything is working efficiently. It's not just a case of having petrol in the tank. 
So you've got to take the oil pressures, you've got to, the tires, you've got to check that everything is functioning and working together. And it only takes one thing to go wrong, doesn't it? One thing, then your wheel can fall off like it almost happened to me. And the whole thing will grind to a halt. That's the balance that we live in these days. Get there. So, a few thoughts. Dave Smith, in his book, Wellbeing, I don't know whether you've seen it, it's a great book, it's, it's 50 days uh, vocation. We've still got some of these left if you want to, to get one. Um, he calls it, if I can, oh, not that one, sorry, Living in the Flow. Living in the flow is where each day you recognize that you're walking with God. We grow in confidence. We understand who we are, what our strengths and weaknesses are. We get better at what we do. And we can live out of that place where we feel God is walking with us and he loves us. And we can turn to him at any time time, that we're seeking to do his will at home and at work. But it doesn't mean to say that life won't hit us with a curveball and we don't get uh, difficult circumstances. But for me, in my vocation, can I encourage you? No, I'll get to in there. Um, to take time out. I always had to take time out because I got overloaded. And this is so important for us to find God in the midst of our ongoing struggles that we might find ourselves in. Some of our own making, some of our not of our own making. Taking time out, that might mean um, getting a holiday. It might mean developing a hobby. Margie and I love to go walking. And we went walking on the South Downs about a week or so ago. And just one day felt like we'd got away for a week. It, it, it ministered to us. Um, I've had to change my sleep pattern. I read this book called Why We Sleep. And it changed my life. I've, I've kind of always been a night owl and, um, and suddenly I realized that the brain does some amazing things while you sleep and I think I probably needed a bit more of it than I was actually giving my body. So I've changed my sleeping pattern. So learning to change or being happy to change. Hanging in there. I think this is a major lesson that we all need to learn. You know, when I worked in the financial services, there wasn't a year that went by when my bosses wouldn't do something to really, really upset me. I mean, I'm not just talking about upset. I mean, I was livid every year. And one of my colleagues suggested to me that I should write my letter of resignation and then, you know, once I'd done it, I'd rip it up and throw it away. And 
just to get that frustration. Um, I actually found, I don't, I don't, we're running out of time, sorry. This, this, this will make me laugh, actually. This made me laugh. Uh, Gallup identified 12 questions that employees should ask themselves to determine work productivity and well-being. Um, 12 questions. Do I know what, this was me probably about 10, um, 10 or 12 years ago. Do I know what is expected of me? Yes. Do I have the materials and equipment I need to do my work right? Yes. I'm sorry. Do I get, do I get to do what I do best every day? No, because I had all the rubbish that went along with it that had to be done. Do I, have I received recognition for my work recently? No. Does my supervisor care about me as a person? No. Does someone at, my, at work encourage my development? Not really. Do my opinions count? No. Does the mission of my organization make me feel my job is important? Yes. Is my team committed to doing quality work? Absolutely. Do I have a best friend at work? No. Has someone talked to me recently about my progress? Yes, because they, had, they liked their targets. And do I have opportunities to grow and learn? Yes. And, and I looked at those and I thought, for six of those, that made me laugh. I mean, I don't know what your situation is like, but, you know, in the midst of our vocation, we have to struggle with these things. So, ten years ago, or eight years ago, um, Delia came up, where is Delia? You didn't know she was going to get a mention in dispatches today. Delia gave me a prophetic word about God putting thorns in my nest. And that is when God called me out of my work in the finance industry into what I do now. And so being around people that can pray with you and help you and hear God for you is vital. And so my last point, if I can make this work technology is don't isolate yourself. Find people who can support you, who can pray with you, who can walk alongside with you. We need to be kind to one another because life has enough troubles of every, every day. You know, for those who are um, retired, don't think this is over. Yeah? Vocation, your vocation, your calling has not ended yet. It's just praying that God would open up a new door. And I'm sure knowing you without, um, I'll look at the ceiling, I know that you will find that calling so that I don't look at anybody in particular. Um, I love the fact that what we're doing in the church with the mentoring, I love that, the fact that we are walking alongside our younger people. So, I hope that uh, that has been um, helpful. I'd like to close by praying. So, if I can ask you to stand... I'm sorry I've gone on a little bit longer this today. I hope your car parking is going to be okay. But let me pray.
Father, Lord, we've sung earlier about all our lives you have been faithful. Father, you're a faithful God. Lord, you see each one of us. You see the struggles that we face working out our calling. And Father, I know that you're pleased. I know that you love each one of us. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would pour out your Spirit upon us, that you'd help us to know how much you love us, how much you care for us, that you want to help us, that we can call out to you and know you walking with us every day. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would represent you well as we go about our daily lives in whatever calling that may be, that, Lord, we'd represent you well and that people would look at us and they'd see a small aspect of you. God, will you bless us in our workplace? Help us to know you and to make you known, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.